We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. I'm here with a good friend, Jeff Lout. I've gotten to know Jeff over the years here, and I'm so impressed with who he is as a human being and what he's been able to accomplish. He's agreed to come on and, and teach us some things about leadership. But before we dive into leadership, I want you to tell the listeners your story. My story, uh, from a career standpoint, if I think about it, I think my career probably chose me more than I chose it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I get an opportunity to speak to young leaders in the company today at Poet, you know, I'll, I'll often, because I think they can see somebody like me at my stage of my career, people consider that successful, at least many do, is uh, we all start from a similar place, which is kind of nowhere, right? Square one. My dream in high school was to be an airplane mechanic. I was a motorhead as a kid. And so I thought, well, that would be kind of the, the pinnacle, right, mm-hmm. of mechanics. And due to a number of factors, uh, you know, I grew up in a very modest home with not much. And so it was difficult to get into the program financially. Mm-hmm. And I came up short. So I did what probably a lot of people do. There wasn't a lot of logic to it. I said, okay, well, what am I good at? Math and science. And mm-hmm. so I chose an, an engineering career field and uh, I, ended up, I ended up really enjoying it. And so that kind of started me down this pathway uh, of my career. Um, I, I joined a, a company that manufactured fire trucks. So Pretty cool for a young kid yep. and an engineer designing big, shiny red fire trucks for your customers, somebody who saves lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that felt really good. And I was just, I was grinding, right? I was mm-hmm. young in my career and I had a lot of incentive to, to work hard and put a lot of hours in and, um, and, just, and just really enjoying it. Uh, I would say that, I don't know if it was by design, but I, I had this ability this ability to connect with people, whether that be in the manufacturing side within the company mm-hmm. or on the sales side on the front end or with our dealers or with our customers. And so because of that, uh, I always just had my head down doing my job. I was tapped on the shoulder to do new things. So I was first was promoted to a supervisor, then eventually heading engineering. And I did that for a number of years. We went through a buyout and uh, had a leadership change and, and the new owners of the company uh, tapped me on the shoulder a year later to run the whole thing. And I was in my 20s. Wow. I knew nothing about running a company. Mm-hmm. And I was probably a bit naive enough to say yes to it. Uh, they promised to surround me with good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thought was, well, if I fail, I'll just go back to being head of engineering, not knowing that isn't usually what happens in corporate America. Right, <laughs> when right, you fail right, at that right, position, right, you're out. Right. So we were in a difficult situation to turn around and uh, you know, surrounded myself with really good people. And, and I got really good support and mentorship. And uh, we turned it around and we just continued to grow. And uh, so I spent about 14 years there, thought I was going to do an entire career there. I was really convinced of that. Mm-hmm. And then God had other plans. I had an opportunity uh, come my way uh, to join a local company here uh, in the biofuel space, Poet. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were had established a good base and a foundation, but were really growing significantly. And I saw that as a, while I was doing really well and enjoying what I was doing, I took a big leap into a completely unknown space in industry and quite sure, you know, I really wasn't even sure that I would be successful uh, in a whole new space, Mm -hmm. but it's worked out well uh, 18 years now with poet. And uh, it's been just a fantastic ride. So talk to me about poet a little bit. Tell, tell the listeners about poet. So poet is the largest biofuels uh, producer in the world. 
Uh, we produce about 3 billion gallons. Uh, we have about 2,400 people. Uh, we're north of $10 billion in, in revenue. Um, it was much smaller than that when I started. Uh, so I've been able to grow with the organization. Uh, it's privately held. I've really enjoyed that. Coming from a public company allows us to think long-term and to make decisions long-term, which I think are very conducive to the organization and the people, as well as uh, a strategic advantage. Mm -hmm. So when you came to Poet, what role did you come? So I joined Poet in a lead role of our, of our operations division. So we were resp I was responsible for all of our biorefinery facilities, mm -hmm. and all the, which is where most of the people are at within the company. Mm -hmm. And we were growing fast, and, and uh, the founder and CEO, Jeff Broin, continued to kind of put things on my plate and asked me to take on new responsibilities. And um, within a matter of five years, I think uh, he'd promoted me to president uh, and then COO of the company. And so today I have pretty much all operational control uh, underneath my area of responsibility. Um, have been able to grow with the organization and the teams and the people that we built during that time. So it's quite a story. Fire trucks to biofuels. Yeah, airplanes. And airplanes. Airplanes. <laughs> that was the dream. Oh, yeah, that was the dream. <laughs> so you never know what God's going right. to do, right? So as you look at leadership and attributes of great leaders, you've had an opportunity to see some great ones, and you are a great leader. Tell me what you think are the key attributes of a great leader. Yeah, yeah that's a great question, Nathan. And I think if I think back to my really my early years back in the fire truck days, because I was very young, and really didn't know a lot about much mm -hmm. is I had saw that company cycle through four leaders in five years. Really? And so what I really learned from early on was what not to do. I learned from poor leadership, which we always think, well, we can learn from somebody who does a great job, but we can also learn from people who don't do a great job. And mm -hmm. you can, cause we're, we're observant people by human nature. And so I think, you know, some of the things that I learned during that time, and of course have reinforced over time is, uh, you know, I think humility is a big one because I think when you, when we all, if anybody who gets promoted into some level of leadership, you, you have authority mm -hmm. and you have to balance the fact that you have authority from a capacity of making decisions, but not necessarily over people because you're mm -hmm. still just one of them, right. right? You're one of the team. So I think you have to maintain that humility or it starts to really affect how you make decisions as a leader, um, which can really get you detached from the team and the company. Pull it apart a little bit for me, because when I think of humility, I think of being coachable, mm -hmm. a good listener, not trying to operate from a title. Right. What, what, so pull apart humility a little bit for me. Yeah, well, I think you, you said title, and that's a good one. Title, I always tell people, like a poet, my title only designates the fact that I have certain decision-making authority mm -hmm. or that the buck stops here or that I have to sign certain documents. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm smarter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I have better ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and and, when, and when the company or a team accomplishes something, it isn't, I did that just mm -hmm. because I'm the leader. The team did that. And I may have helped guide them and I may have helped shepherd them, but the reality is along that journey, there may have been just a decision or two that I made, mm -hmm. which likely came from the team, mm -hmm. but then it's not my glory. It's the mm -hmm. team's glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as I listened to your story, I'm just thinking about how you showed humility 
in all those roles. They kept tapping you on the shoulder going, would you come do this? Would you come do that? So whatever you were doing, you're doing it with excellence, which created the next opportunity, which sometimes we want this without doing this. Right. We want to arrive without taking the trip. Yeah. So you did everything with excellence and that's what created the opportunities. The opportunities. Yeah, I, I, I like to give that advice. So we have a great intern program every year. So I get in front of dozens of fresh young people eager to get going in their careers uh, after they finish their studies. And I say, don't focus on the ladder or the climb or the, and it's okay to have aspirations. Focus on being great at what you're doing at the current time. And I guarantee you people around you will notice. They absolutely yeah. will. What's another attribute? I would say another attribute is you need to have courage. You need to be able to, in a position of leadership, there's, there's people decisions you have to make. There's business decisions you have to make. Um, and if you get stuck in the fear of being wrong, uh, newsflash, you will be wrong at times. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and, and that's okay. That's where the learning happens is through, through making decisions. And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you're wrong, then having that humility or that mm -hmm. self-awareness yep. to acknowledge to the team that says, look, I was wrong in this mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to make another decision yeah. and continue to have that courage to do so. So give me an example of something you're really proud of that was a really uncomfortable position that you had to show courage. If I think back to the big leap being put into mm -hmm. lead the fire truck business, it was broken in many ways. And what I knew was we needed a team that was going to rally around the things that we needed to try as an organization. So I had to make some really tough people decisions and they were in my first week. And, and you're in your twenties and I'm in my twenties. Mm -hmm. We weren't a large organization. Our team was about 75 people at the time. Mm -hmm. There were, there were four people who had been with the company a long, long time. They were very good at their job, but they consistently had a bad attitude. And I had been there long enough to see how they would constantly just be the water cooler naysayer. And, and uh, I, I respectfully but difficultly pulled them in and said, I need people here who are going to have a great attitude and get on board with what we need to do to move this company forward in the right direction. And I, and I let them go. Mm -hmm. I then brought all of the company together, all of the team members, and I told them what I did and why I did it so that there was no you know, misunderstandings yeah. or people making up their own ideas. And I just said, we need people here at this company who are going to have a great attitude and they're going to get on board and we're going to work hard together and try things. And some things are going to work well and some things aren't. Yeah. And I think that was a key moment for me as a young leader to give me what I need to propel me to make more and more difficult decisions, even when you're not 100% certain that it's the right thing and what's going to be the backlash and right. or the consequence to this tough decision. All right, give me another attribute. I'd say the other thing is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, if I reflect back, and I, I didn't reflect back on my career much until just even in the last few years, mm -hmm. uh, being asked some of these questions. Uh, emotional intelligence, and I, there's a lot there in emotional intelligence, but it's, you know, being a good listener. Mm -hmm. It's having good self-awareness mm -hmm. of who you are, what your own strengths are, also what your own weaknesses are. I think emotional intelligence uh, is being able to adapt your communication style mm -hmm. to the team around you. Mm -hmm. And I see so many leaders who they, they try to treat every person on the team the exact same way. And the reality is you can't. Mm -hmm. You might be somebody who's a little bit softer and sensitive, great mm -hmm. at your job, but you just, I, so therefore I need to communicate with you in a certain way. Mm -hmm. 
You might be somebody else who's just a hard charging driver and, and they, they don't want a lot of accolades and they don't, they just want to know what's my next challenge. Yeah. And, and you have to, as a, as a leader with that emotional intelligence is just to, to read a room, you know, if you're in a meeting, understand all the personal dynamics that are around there because everybody's different. We're all wired a little bit different. Yeah. And, and having that sense and that ability to do that. And then also knowing you're having your own self-awareness as to how yeah. you are in that dynamic yeah. is, is really important. Yeah, so I, I want I don't want you to miss what he just said there because I don't think we talk about this enough. Emotional intelligence. So being self-aware is a part of emotional intelligence. The ability to self-regulate, observe, adapt, become almost an ambivert of how you're communicating, which really shows empathy to the other person you're speaking to. Exactly. I think yeah. you know what what he just said there is so critical for all us to become better leaders. We have to work on our Emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. I know for me, my ability to self-regulate has always been my hardest part of my, you know, emotional intelligence. Right. But I've had now that I'm aware of it, I, I know I have to work on it. So I'm glad you bring it up because I think it's a key attribute. So who are some great leaders in your life that either have helped you along the way? I mean, you mentioned. I think it's brilliant what Jeff said about you can learn something from everybody, even the poor leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So who yeah. are some good leaders that help? Good leaders. Well, I see, I kind of think of that in two categories. Mm -hmm. There's some, there's the category of, you know, those that are bigger than life. Yeah. Maybe you could see them from afar, but you never get to interact with them one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. or maybe they're not even alive today and you interact. And if I, there's two people that come to mind there and one is Ronald Reagan. Yes. And what I loved about President Ronald Reagan was he, you know, he was titled the great communicator. Mm -hmm. His ability through difficult times in this country to show empathy mm -hmm. in the way he'd communicate to the American people and the vision that he would cast for yeah. the, the shining city on the hill. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I think the other one, and I probably get this idea from Ken Blanchard who wrote a book, Lead Like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I've learned through my growth in life that the true measurement of leadership is voluntary followership. When people are willing to get behind you, not because they're paid to, not because they're told to, uh, but because they believe in you and they want to. Yeah. And that's the life that Jesus led. Yeah. On the personal front, I have, I've been blessed by having a lot of great people in my life. I've got a fantastic men's group mm -hmm. uh, that I'm a part of, and I admire these men. They're all um, driven, successful business people and, mm -hmm. and uh, men of faith. In the uh, early days, uh, in the fire truck business, there was a Polish immigrant who founded that company. His name is George. Anybody who's spent any time around me will hear me tell stories about George because it's he made such a big impact on me, not only as a professional, but as a man uh, early in life. And and I still find myself continuing to kind of use those as my boundaries, kind of my guiding principles as to how I how I live and lead. Mm -hmm. uh, and George was all about, I'll give you, you know, he always said, Jeff, perspiration will always beat inspiration. There's no replacement <laughs> no, for hard so work. Yep. Um, you know, and in, in the last 18 years, I've had the, the honor and blessing to, to work uh, alongside Jeff Royn. Mm -hmm. Founded this company really out of a bankruptcy. Grew it from nothing into the world's largest biofuels mm -hmm. uh, producer in, in just three and a half decades. And, you know, Jeff's conviction around what we do is mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like it. He is so convicted and passionate about our mission as an organization. And there's been nothing that's had an impact to rural America mm -hmm. in the energy supply here in America, like our company in the last three decades. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. I mean, a ton of great nuggets there. Talk to me about your routines. 
find that all great leaders have some type of routine. Tell me about yours. Yeah, you know, I think routines are important, Mm -hmm. Nathan, and I think that they're also, they're developed. So I think you you have to kind of learn early on, and I'd say early on in my career, I burned the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. I would kind of pride myself that I could I could run on four or five hours of sleep and I wasn't eating well, I wasn't healthy. But you know, I think at, at some point I had a light bulb go on and say, I don't think this is sustainable. Right. So I started to, to make you know, physical health very, a very important part of my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a man of faith, so starting my day uh, in the word and in prayer is very important. It sets my mindset in terms of keeping things in perspective. Um, but even prior to that, honestly, a good night's sleep. A good night's sleep is very important. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago, but I, but I learned to grow into that, that a good night's sleep is important. And then, and then just go out into the day and know that there are going to be things that come your way that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Some of those will be good and some of those will be challenges. Mm-hmm. And, but keep in perspective around, I can, I can influence and control what I can and there's things that I can't. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're going to continue to find a way through everything. So, you know, spending time with friends and family is critically important to, you know, it's, it moves the heart, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I always think it's good to have a hobby along the way. Mm-hmm. So take care of your mind, take care of your heart, take care of your body. Right. Yeah. I love it. So as there's many listeners right now that uh, don't consider themselves leaders or they want to become better leaders, what wisdom would you give to them? To how do you start really becoming a better leader? Where do you start? Yeah, I think, first of all, leadership, I, I'm not a believer that leaders are born. I believe leaders are made. Mm-hmm. And they're made through a, a long journey, a long process. Mm-hmm. And it starts with being, I think, curious. Mm-hmm. It starts with being committed to whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and having that, that commitment. And, and I think, and as you continue to progress and you get into your first role of, you know, considered a leadership within mm-hmm. some type of a capacity, uh, in a workplace or even a volunteering to some capacity, it's uh, when you when you really can put self mm-hmm. behind others or others above self. That's that's important uh, in knowing that you're serving. When you're in a position of leadership, people think, "Well, now they've got this power." Well, actually, you can become a bigger servant now mm-hmm. when you're in that position of leadership. I'm now serving the people around me or my customers in a bigger role. Mm-hmm. And I think those are those are critically important as well. Yeah, and so what I hear there is, and you brought up the book "Lead Like Jesus," is Jesus is one of the best examples of what you just described, servant leadership. And I think one of the best examples is when he walked into the apostles and he washed their feet. Right. So yeah. I think as becoming a better leader, just start serving yeah. above self. Just put self behind. That's what I heard. Yeah. So thank you so much for this. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Jeff uh, gave us a lot of great attributes, a lot of things to chew on. So I encourage you, start to put some of these attributes in your life. Start to aspire a better leader. Just start by serving. So again, thanks, Jeff. You bet. Thank you. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 